Paul's second letter to the Corinthians 6 16-18, 7-1. For we are the temple of God, we who are living. As God has said, I will dwell in them and will walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing unclean and I will take you to me and I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. Therefore, having these promises beloved, we should cleanse ourselves from every defilement of flesh and spirit, making our holiness perfect in the fear of God. Dash dash. This is one of the more difficult passages to translate into English. Because I couldn't find a clear enough translation, I translated the passage myself to try to bring out the nuances in the original Greek. There is a great deal being said in this passage. As Paul commonly does, he uses a metaphor to communicate the relationship between God and man. In the first century, the presence of temples was common and accepted as part of society. Paul takes this common image and communicates the idea that the presence of the one true God with his people is no longer seen in a temple of wood and stone. With the Incarnation, God Himself has come among His people and with the ascension and the giving of the Holy Spirit, God now dwells in His Church. The error that commonly takes place is that of thinking individualistically, rather than corporately. God fills and guides the Church, as a corporate body, not as a group of individuals. When one is part of the body of Christ, the Church, He is filled with the Holy Spirit. The fact of the Incarnation is seen here as Paul takes an Old Testament passage and shows its fulfillment in the formation of the Church. God is not limited to inhabiting a physical temple, into which we must go to see Him but instead, God is truly with His people as the Church. To use another metaphor, God walks among us, just as He walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden. The difference between the two scenarios is because of the Incarnation. Because God became man in Jesus Christ, the consequence of being driven out of the Garden will never again take place. We have been given access to the presence of God and as His Church, have Jesus' redemptive work to cleanse us from sin bringing us back into His presence. Proximity is a difficult concept in regards to our relationship with God. As the Church tells us, God is everywhere and fills all things but when we rebel against His love and the life He has given us, we, in a spiritual sense, walk away from that presence. In very much the same way that we relate with a spouse, when they and we are at odds, we are, even if physically close to them, far away from them. But when we are at peace with our spouse and even if physically far away, we are still close to them. Paul expands upon this idea of proximity to God by reminding his readers of what God said about being not part of the world. Even though we live among godless people in a godless culture, we are still called to be separate from them. Not in a physical sense, though that would be perfectly acceptable as well, but in a spiritual sense. As the world thinks and acts, we are not to think and act. When the world defines something as good and right, even when it is clearly contrary to the love of God, we must be separate from them and form our thoughts and actions in alignment with the love of God. Paul uses another metaphor which reveals a common way of thinking in his day. God calls his people to touch nothing unclean. For the Jewish mind and those who understood Judaism, the cleanliness laws were a distinctive factor. To literally touch something that was unclean according to the Mosaic law, would render one unclean and then be in need of ritual cleansing. Paul takes this way of thinking and calls us to expand upon it and apply it to ourselves in terms of anything and everything that is contrary to the love of God. No longer should the people of God form their lives around the Mosaic law but instead around the responsibility to love God and to love their neighbor. When Paul says that God will take us to himself, it helps to think of the parable of the prodigal son. It is when the prodigal realized his foolishness and returned to his father that his father gladly took him back as his son. This was a moment of joy for everyone involved. The father rejoiced to see his son turn away from the destruction of rebellion and back to a life worth living. The son rejoiced to be received back, 
not as a servant, but as his son. The final part of his thought here is that of the nature of the relationship between God and man. Men are not slaves to God but are his sons and daughters. This should not be thought of as men are mere children who need to live by rules and laws in order to please God. Instead, like the story of the prodigal son, we are part of the family of God, with the corresponding love and freedom of a son. Like the older brother in that story, we are always free to enjoy the blessings of God and not merely work as servants. We should rejoice when someone repents and comes back into a right relationship with God. Paul finishes this passage with a reminder of who we are as sons and daughters of God and the responsibility we have. Because God has restored us to Himself through the work of Jesus Christ and because He has given us the Holy Spirit, in and through the Church, we should understand that to be truly human is to live as one who loves God and who loves his neighbor. We are called to maturity and responsibility. To live this way is to be mature, taking the responsibility upon ourselves to do what is right in every situation, applying wisdom to everything that comes our way. The closing comment, making our holiness perfect in the fear of God is not about perfection as it is typically understood or as fear, as it is typically understood. To use another metaphor, a child who has parents that love and guide him will be afraid of disobeying or disappointing them, not because he is literally scared of negative consequences but because of disappointing someone he loves and who loves him. When Paul uses the word perfectly, the idea is not one of flawlessness but of goal and completion. When we see and understand the goal of holiness, when we decide to make that our aim, we are working toward completing and fulfilling our lives this way. It is not about being flawless but about aiming for holiness and shaping our lives to move in that direction. And we do so because we love God, because we know He loves us, and we don't want to disappoint Him with our thoughts, words, and actions.